This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. What is your name? Thank you so much for having me. My name is Johanna Barnes. And what is your primary role in the line dance community? Uh, primary role, I would say first maybe choreography, secondary teaching. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And how long have you been doing each of those respectively? Um, dancing a lot longer than choreography. Um, dancing probably, um, you're going to make me do math all of a sudden here. We're going to go with introduction in about 1994. And then I started choreographing probably about 1999. What are some dances that uh, folks might recognize of yours? Um, yes, You Won't with Brian McWhorter. Super classic. Played at at least almost all the uh, U.S. events that I end up getting to attend. Um, Geek in the Pink, which is, I think, about 11 years old. Um, that ended up getting a world championship and also was used by Masters in Line in their competitions. And that's mm. also a classic done at events. Um, I would add a classic called Faith and Desire, um, which is, I think, about nine years old now or something like that. So I know... Uh, those are going to be the three big ones most recently in the past couple of years, Sugar, Honey, IT. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are probably the top among what I would hope is an extensive list. <laughs> How were you introduced to line dancing? So <laughs> I was working in a portrait studio in the mall. Um, I was managing one of them, and one of my coworkers said, we go country line dancing. You should come with us. And I said, well... I don't know if I'm so much into country music, but I need something to do. I've always liked to dance. Um, so I thought I would give it a try. Uh, my dance experience was mostly hitting the clubs <laughs> um, and doing uh, high school musicals and learning choreography there, but I didn't have any dance training um, until I started competing when I was 30, <laughs> which was many years ago. <laughs> um, so I just went out that first night um, the space that we were going to in Bridgeport, Connecticut was uh, essentially a marina, it still is, and uh, no air conditioning. Um, so the summer got really hot. And that first night I learned two or three line dances with syncopations and two-step. So I actually started line dancing and doing couples in the same night. I picked it up fairly easily. Um, it was a really good social environment. At the time, my husband was very ill. And he did end up passing away, but having the dance to give me something to do during the week um, that wasn't just being home. And then also um, that dance community was there for me after he passed away. Um, Dance community has just, you know, always been something that kind of feeds my soul. So, um, you know, that's kind of where it all started. (laughs) Then it snowballed from there. I started seeing all kinds of dances, and I was hungry to learn them all. I think I was a dancer in a previous life because I picked up the couples dancing fairly quickly, Um, and then I started finding out about workshops in both couples and line dance, and then I started finding out about competition events, and so I started competing in both line dance and couples, and, uh, you know, that gave me an opportunity to start going to events and teaching and choreographing and doing all that. Did teaching come naturally for you? Did you feel like you were ready for it when it happened? Or was it something that you just decided, well, you know, it's about that time, I guess I, you know, fake it till you make it. Right. 
It, that is a really great question because I feel strongly about teaching. Um, I think I have been a teacher of something most of my life. Um, when I was in my early teens, I started teaching swimming. Um, my whole family like worked swim instructors in some ways. And so that concept of sharing an idea with somebody, but everybody learning differently. And prior to teaching line dance, I had also taught a basics photography course, like with adult education for about nine years. And it's the same concept. You have all these different people. Everybody's going to learn a little bit differently. So I think teaching in some ways came naturally, but I also think it is a skill that you have to continually work on. I'm always working on ways to get across a dance. Um, I also feel very strongly that we should be teaching dancing and not just a dance. Mm. Um, if you're looking across the floor and things aren't working, then as an instructor, I feel you're supposed to kind of figure out what they're missing. Are they not making a weight change? Are they looking over the wrong shoulder trying to make a turn? So I feel strongly that teaching is really helping people make connections in what they're learning, where they're learning it, how they're learning it, and that should translate into them really learning the dance and then really enjoying it. So, um, yeah. Who do you <laughs> study in instruction that lets you know what to look for? Uh, for like looking over the wrong mm -hmm. shoulder, I wouldn't even have thought about that. With weight changes, it's, it's a little easier to see, but that can be really subtle to know which way they're looking. Mm. So who do you look to as somebody who really knows all the little mistakes that people can make so that you can catch them before they get too bad? So I think uh, that's kind of a two-part answer in the way that you're asking it. I think for me, being a teacher of something for much of my life, it's really paying attention mm. and trying to figure out why it's not working for them. Mm -hmm. So if I'm teaching a beginner course and somebody is not making a weight change, I should be able to recognize that the reason why they didn't make their turn in the right direction is because they didn't make a weight change. And for that person, I may have to go over and literally put a little pressure on their hips to get their weight over their foot. I can try to verbally tell them, but some people need that physical. Um, the other part of answering that would be, who have I learned from or watched that I have either um, obviously, I won't be giving you examples of instructors that I've watched that I would not want to emulate. Oh. Um, <laughs> there are a few. Um, and more or less, that's probably them just not recognizing the, the scene or the scenario. Um, certainly Rachel McEnany White. Um, known her for a very long time. And watching her get an entire crowd to do something that is not natural to them or is a foreign concept... Um, so I've learned a lot from that. Um, I think we all have to be our own person in whatever way we teach. Um, everybody has a different style and what works for one person doesn't always work for somebody else. But in terms of, um, you know, I feel like my job is after that 50 minute or so time frame, at some events it's 45, um, sometimes you get a full hour, um, after that time frame, it's not just that a person walks away and can go do the dance on a social floor. It really depends on the level of the dance and the level of the dancer, but that they gain a sense of how the pattern is supposed to be. Uh, they gain a sense of being joyful in learning it 
even if they don't ever dance it again because they'll learn something from it. Um, feeling comfortable with whatever their ability is within it. You know, I competed, but that doesn't mean that I'm trying to teach them as if they're going to be competitors. I'm trying to share with them ways that are going to make it more comfortable so in the long run they feel better about the dance and they want to continue with it. We don't want anybody to leave our dance community because they're feeling like they can't keep up with everybody else on the dance floor, right? So mm -hmm. somebody may be really good at taking a picture of a landscape because they don't have to make as many choices, whereas they're terrible taking pictures of people hmm. and the person's in the corner of the picture and then there's all sky hmm. for no reason. So. Um, you know, I, I feel that watching Rachel, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, some of it's just personality-wise, and some of it's what they're paying attention to. Um, but I think for me, I just, I have a sense of looking out there and kind of understanding where it's not working for them. Hmm. So, and may, maybe that's all of what I've learned in when I started competing. I was thirsty for that knowledge. You know, why does it look that way? Why am I taking my West Coast swing that looks very vertical up and down and bouncing to something that's very smooth? I see it, now how do I do that? So I learned from instructors from all over the world. Some of them, some of my line dance has actually come from couples instructors learning about rhythms. So learning about cha-cha and waltz um, or salsa or samba or nightclub or two-step or West Coast Swing, or East Coast Swing, or Polka, or Rumba, because you know we find a lot of Rumba in a country line, uh, you know, in a country dance community. As I raise my eyes and roll my eyes mm. for our listeners. <laughs> Without naming na any sure. names, what are some mistakes that maybe new instructors or even experienced instructors could avoid? Things that you've seen that really don't help the student and don't help the scene as a whole. Sure. Um, and some of that is probably feedback from other dancers that I talk to if they're commenting on my teaching versus something else. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm certainly not perfect. I've, I've continued to learn my time frame and I like to chit chat. I like to make some funny stuff. Doesn't always go over. And sometimes we don't need chit chat. We need to move forward. And other times we need a moment to connect in a different way. Um, so my thing is, I. I very quickly ask my crowd, everybody good? Does anybody have any questions? But I'm not consistently asking them to tell me how they're doing. I'm watching how they're doing. If an entire floor is not getting to a beat or not getting to a wall, then I should be paying attention to that and working it. Um, I think the interruption of having to ask an instructor to have everybody move on the floor as an instructor, I can see when people are moving, like getting pushed off the floor. And I'm gonna ask everybody to take a big step. So um, those are just things I'm obviously a little bit particular. Um, I think timing-wise, really paying attention to the time. Um, it's hilarious because um, you're interviewing me at an event where I have 10 watches at home and the one that's actually working broke. It's like a beaded one. So I've been looking at my Fitbit, but just kind of paying attention to the time and where you are in the cadence of the room so that people aren't feeling completely rushed like all of a sudden you know it's at the hour they have to leave so now you're rushing them versus uh, we've finished full music in 20 minutes now what are we going to do 
when there may have been opportunities to give them some more. Um, you know, one thing actually I learned from Rachel was um, trying not to give too much technique or variation until they've actually learned the pattern. Mm. Um, I love technique because I just think it makes it more fun. So, you know, I have to reel myself in sometimes. Um, I would say another really big thing for me personally, I like to give counts and steps. I like to preempt it. So I'm going to say triple one and two, turn three and four. And I find it as a dancer that I have a hard time learning when people are just giving counts. They're turning around in a room. They're trying to remember a pattern but all they have as a cue is a count. And to me, part of being an instructor is to give that cue of what's going to come next. Because in general, learning a line dance is based on that pattern. And contemplating as you're approaching count seven or eight, in anything but a waltz, that you are, are going to know what comes next. So if you're not preempting that as an instructor, your dancers aren't preempting that. And then they're just going to be stopped on the floor going, wait a minute, what's next? So, you know, I think, I think all of those things are things that I have learned. And as a dancer, things that may distract me, distract me from actually learning the dance. Um, and that's where instructors just, you know, can really help. Megan and I have talked about how sometimes knowing what to say on beat with those cues mm -hmm. uh, can take practice in and of itself. It's just lot. like learning a dance, you, mm -hmm. you need to, to practice the steps of the dance in verbal form mm -hmm. to make that, uh, that melding with the counts happen. Do you have any, any additional thoughts yourself? Um, I know, just going off that topic alone, mm -hmm. with the practice of like steps and like you said the uh, triple one and mm -hmm. two um and it's actually something i also got from another choreographer slash teacher cat painter and she says always stay say the steps first and mm -hmm. then the count is that something that you do as well or is it just natural that's just how it comes out of your mouth um <laughs> that's interesting if i think about it i probably preempt it with uh words before the counts Again, though, I would go back to everybody learns differently. So uh, you're, you have a big class. You're trying to get through a fairly challenging dance. You want to make sure that if it's the first time for everybody, they definitely have everything that they need to go practice it at home. I have been in a class and learned many an incredibly awesome dance and never been able to do it at that event until I go home and rework it for myself, right, and really practice it. Um, so there will be people who will say, can you give me the counts? And I struggle to only give them a count, right? Um, and there will be people who need a right, left, right. Again, that's kind of paying attention and also knowing that everybody learns a little bit differently. So giving all of those options within the teach for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I probably use words before I do a count. Right, but, it, but it is practicing that cadence of where it happens and you get tongue-tied and you know sometimes you're like oh I meant to do it this way and now I'm doing it this way um, you know you're thinking oh there's the restart I hear it but then you forget to say it <laughs> because you're thinking don't they hear it but you forget to say it so yeah, yeah. Um, now obviously you've been teaching for quite some time now uh, what kind of 
differences have you experienced in teaching the beginner versus mm. the intermediate? Sure. And obviously, air quote right dancers. Air quote dancers. <laughs> um, so when I have done more local, like adult education type programs, and I'm teaching pure beginners. Um, and to me, it doesn't actually matter the level of dance you're teaching. It's really about the basic skills. Nobody knows what a Monterey turn is or where the weight changes are on it. Nobody knows a sailor step. They don't actually know how to step and push turn or pivot turn because they don't understand weight change, even though they do it every single day when they walk. So um, in a beginner class, I think it's a lot about helping them understand terminology, understanding weight changes, understanding body mechanics, um, you know, where you're pulling back on your right rib or your hip versus um, something uh, actually talked about quite a bit today. When your nose are over your toes, you're going to automatically move forward. So if you're taking a step forward, but you're going to need to make a direction change, then it's helping them understand where their weight needs to be. And sometimes that plays into whatever level of dance you're teaching. Um, so uh, a quote that will often be heard in one of my workshops, and um, I think anybody who has watched skiing, even if you don't ski, there is the bunny slope where people literally just do like a little slice of pie, if you will, like they're two, the tips of their skis together in a, in a triangle, slowly going down the little bunny slope. And then you have the courses that um, go through trees with moguls and steep and rocks and cliffs. And I say I can ski anything. I can ski a double black diamond, but it may take me four hours versus the bunny slope, which I can get down very quickly. So. I know that the general line dance community all over the world feels like beginners have to start with an easy dance. And certainly you don't want to be giving them a ton of syncopations and turns before they understand all of the terminology. But if you have all of those basics, to me it doesn't matter the level of dance. It's the attitude of the dancer and what do you want to learn and what do you want to try. So, yeah, I mean, even in competing, I had a waltz where I had to do a double turn with a ronde on the end. And I couldn't do that. I didn't have any dance training, you know, prior to starting to compete. So I really had to practice and understand the body mechanics of connecting with the floor and bending the knee and, you know, what muscles you engage to make that happen. So um, what kind of advice or tips that you can give um, for either A, the upcoming choreographer and or instructor? Like what kind of things should they really pay attention to? Well, that's a very interesting question because I always want to preempt it with, especially when it comes to choreography, that's somebody's art. You can't tell people what kind of music to use, what kind of steps to use. That is their art. However, being a very particular person, um, and I think having some skill at really listening to music. I've been playing music all my life. I started when I was very young, um, and I know it's something that I had talked with Scott Blevins about um, in the past. Um, having um, a musical background where you actually know about all the instruments and all the rhythms and, and dynamics of a song, you might, as a choreographer, end up hearing those things more. Um, for me personally, 
I really pay attention to how a song feels. Does it really make you want to dance? If I can't listen to that song 150 times minimum before I release it to the world, then why would I use the song? I don't, you know, I could put together CDs of all the music I've ever list of I've ever choreographed to, and I could play it to any general crowd, and they'd all say, "This is great music." That's how I personally feel. You know, maybe I'm just patting myself on the back a little bit, but. Um, Really being careful with the music. A lot of people talk about the fact that they can't find music or music has phrasing or music has this and that. If you don't feel strongly that you can make it work, just move along. Um, I search for music. I hold on to music for a very long time. I typically don't pick current pop music because I take a long time to do my choreography. And when it's pop music, usually you have to get it out right away along with the other 12 people who are trying to get it done. So for me personally, it's very rare that I'm going to use a major pop hit, unless that pop hit's been around for three or four years and somehow just somebody hasn't. Um, I've literally sat on music for a year before using it, or a year and a half. Um, so sometimes it's just really choosing music that moves you. I like to challenge myself with different styles of music. Um, waltz is my most challenging for me because I feel that it's unless it's very basic, like a beautiful little Rita's Waltz, that it's always going to be intermediate to advanced because waltz is inherently a challenging rhythm. Um, even though our community does a lot of waltzes, they do a lot of Viennese waltzes, which are very fast. Um, so it took me a very long time to do a waltz, and the first one I did ended up becoming a competition dance for uh, masters. Um, and so I've just redone a waltz, or I shouldn't say redone, I've just done a waltz, and I've had that music for a good 10 months and then I'm finally like, I just need to get it done because I feel so, you know, if you listen to it over and over again for a year, you've got to work on it. So choosing a good song. And for me, I'm not always deciding what level I want it to be. If the song intrinsically doesn't have a lot to it, then I can keep it a lot simpler. Uh, I have a dance called Broken Hearted. Very simple. It actually goes to a ton of different music. Um, and I have friends who keep telling me it's still around. I, you can do it to country, you can do it. It's very rare for me that I have choreographed something that can be done to all types of music. Um, ironically, I love Sugar Honey, uh, Sugar Honey IT to funk you up. Hmm. Or Uptown, Uptown funk, funk, right? The, the song is Uptown Funk. Uh, my country bar actually <laughs> plays Uptown Funk, and I do Sugar Honey IT to it. It has one restart. It's awesome. It does a, different things in the music. Typically, I'm choosing a song, and I'm really choreographing to that music. So somebody will say to me, oh, do you have a country version for that? You know, I've choreographed it specifically to that song. I'm choosing movement that matches what I'm hearing, trying to match verses and choruses and um, that type of thing. So um, I'm repeating myself, but choosing music, <coughs> potentially based on that music, knowing what level it's going to be. Um, I kind of think about everybody, and at the same time, I really try to reel it back into me as an artist and what I'm feeling. And inevitably, somebody will have something to say about it. Oh, it's too hard. And then I can give them a list of every dance that they do out on the floor that is a very challenging dance. So what I'm giving you is not hard. You just need to learn it. Um, I always want to give them a little something different because I always want to try something different. Um, sometimes I envision myself as a different dancer in what I'm choreographing. So I may, in my mind, think of other dancers who have skill differently than I do because I want to see what I've done on them, if you will. Um, and 
Fortunately, in my life, I've also had choreographers say that to me. Like when I choreographed this, I was thinking of you as the type of dancer you are. So that's always a great compliment. Um, and does it, does it work? Does it feel right from point A to point B? Yes, you won't spin around forever, and I think Brian would agree with me. There is one spot in there where it's a little bit challenging because you're over on one side and you're trying to push yourself over to the other. Obviously, we all figured it out. Um, we all know dances where there's a little, little tiny piece of the puzzle you just shoved in. You know, I try not to do that very often. You always want um, to understand motion, and I've learned that from other choreographers as well. Body emotion stays in motion. Um, uh, dance called Infatuation. Uh, Scott picked up and uh, we're talking about Scott Blevins, of course. Scott picked up and he changed it. He changed the direction. And people said to me at the time, why did you change your choreography? I said, because what he shared with me made more sense. It felt better. I just wasn't feeling it that way when I choreographed, so I changed it so it was a better dance. It was literally like three counts or four counts or something. So, um, a lot of people want to challenge themselves with choreography. That's how I started. I thought, oh, these people are creating this. I really hear the music. Let me try this. Um, just being really thoughtful about it and giving yourself time to um, work through it. I can't imagine expending all the emotional and physical energy plus all the time into choreographing something that people are going to learn once, maybe dance once in a class and forget about. So I, I always work towards creating something that I think people are going to enjoy for a while and that I obviously want to continue to dance myself so that it feels good. People have continued to dance uh, Broken Hearted in Sonoma County, in fact. Mm -hmm. Oh, and fantastic. It, it was played regularly at our local country bar until the bar closed a little while back, but that one definitely still got people on the floor. One of the fastest pieces of choreography I've ever written. Hmm. And because for me, intrinsically, that song by Carmen um, you know, had just a regular tempo. I didn't feel like I needed to add a lot of extra rhythms to it. Um, so that's great to hear. Awesome. If people wanted to communicate with mm -hmm. you, uh, maybe tell, tell their own stories sure. of, uh, of dances that are done in their area by yourself, how would they best get in contact with you? So uh, the two best ways, one would be by email. Of course, I generally only see it by email other people don't see it so if they're looking to share that with everybody um, my email is Johanna and that's J-O-H-A-N-N-A -N -N -A, for all the Brits out there it's J-O-H-A-N-N-A -N -N -A, um, at dance what you feel and you actually spell all those words out um, uh, the YouTube page is the same dance what you feel you don't just don't put any spaces in it um, and then I am on Facebook under Johanna Barnes uh, you should be able to easily find me with the red background I call it my Saturday Night Live picture mm. um, and uh, I would love for anybody to tag me anytime they're doing my dances because that's really the only way to know um, if people are doing that. Unfortunately, my day job, I don't get to use my phone. I deal with protected health information. So uh, I don't have as many opportunities to respond and, and get back. Um, but um, I would love for people to tag me and just let me know what they're doing where, what tracks they're doing it to, if they found other tracks, um, uh, you know, uh, somebody told me today, oh, we do Sugar Honey IT every single week in our class. Mm. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, two and a half more questions for you. Okay. Uh, one, if there's a message that you could share with the entire line dance universe, mm. uh, if there's anything that you could ask of the DJs and the instructors, choreographers, event managers, bar owners, 
everybody out there. It doesn't have to be one message. You could take them individually if you'd like. Is there anything that you would like them to think about or maybe consider changing or consider doing? That's one, one question. Another is how do you decide what events mm-hmm. are high on your priority list when you're invited? And you don't have to name names exactly, but like what makes for an event that you must attend mm-hmm. either as a, an attendee or on staff? And then finally, what dance would you recommend everybody learn right now? Oh, and you want me to try to remember all those questions. Okay, <laughs> so the first question is, what do I kind of want to share with everybody? Probably should be my closing statement, but since I'm remembering it now, um, it's probably what I would tell anybody that is a human being on Earth for the entire world. Um, and I will quote my older niece, be kind, be kind, be kind. So in our line dance community, in any dance community, um, it all comes back to a human being having joy, experiencing joy. And we clearly have a plethora of personalities. You know, some people are complete extroverts, some people are complete introverts. Um, You never know what a person's going through. Um, But in general, DJs understanding that those dancers on the floor um, wanna have a good time. The event directors, They want people to come in and support their business, but essentially it still goes back to that dancer having a great time. Um, And clearly for everybody, it's going to be different things that help them to have a great time. Um, Clear information is a great thing uh, for event uh, event directors to provide. Um, Little things that are different. Um, I think there are all types of events to go to, so we can segue into that. Um, And sometimes it's financially what you're able to do. And sometimes it's uh, travel and where that can be. For me as an instructor, um, I am not on the circuit, you know, eight to 10 events out of the year. A long time ago when I was competing more, I was doing a lot of uh, UCWDC events and workshops and things like that. Um, Generally, if my calendar was open, I'd want to do it. Uh, There have been times where I didn't work, so I didn't have that restriction. I now have a restriction in terms of how many vacation days I can take. Um, I've participated in a lot of different types of events. And for me personally, the ones that I want to be involved in are the ones where, as a member of the staff, I can help people have a great time really uh, the bottom line for me. I mean, I can name a couple events that I absolutely adore um, because, not just because I get on staff, because for one of them, I haven't always been an an instructor. Sometimes I will just come. Um, That is Windy City Line Dance Mania in Chicago. This is my 13th year um, attending this event. And I started out, uh, I worked with uh, Bob Bars, who does the floors for this event. He also does video and he used to do it for country events. And so I used to work with him uh, running his desk um, for all the competitions. And so I got to come to Windy City Line Dance Mania as the videographer that put 120 dances, and I could tell you later about who took the longest and who made the most mistakes and who swore the most. Um, (laughs) But that was my introduction. I entered the choreography competition, and for me, I don't ever not want to come to Chicago. I'm not a city girl, but I love this city. And for me, one of the things in going to an event, is it a place where I can also explore? Because I like to travel. I'm always gonna make sure there's at least one day Um, 13 years in Chicago and there are still so many things that I haven't done so um, I would love to come in the summertime 
you know, because it's a great city. I could easily come here twice a year. For me, the flight's a little expensive. <laughs> so, um, and another event, and partly because of the event itself, um, but it has uh, generally employed me since 2006. We used to do two events a year with the Tim Gillis um, dance events and Rosie Moltari, um, along with uh, her husband Bruno Moltari and, and, and her support team uh, bought out that event from Tim Gillis who did a great job and Rosie did a lot of the behind the scenes. Uh, first year she sold out and a reason why that event is special even though, and you'll, you can ask every staff member, we work our butts off. Uh, we teach five to six classes instead of generally on average year two or three at the big events. Um, we repeat everything, which is really great for dancers. It's a little bit more challenging as an instructor because you don't know if somebody's retaking it or if it's somebody brand new, you have to make sure to get them the information. Um, but that's great for um, dancers so that if they missed it or they want to take it again. Um, but that event is super special. It's an all-inclusive event. And I think, you know, any other all-inclusive events that people might want to try, you really get to connect you sit down and you have dinner together, and I think there's something about breaking bread, you know, where you really get to know people and you get to relax and have a good time. Um, we have a welcome party at New York State of Line, free liquor, and lots of food. We have uh, Sundays at midnight, which really isn't midnight, it's usually like 11.30, but it's called midnight. Um, and then there's like a continental breakfast, they have Danish and coffee. So really warm and really friendly, a unique place unique space um, so it's an event that I highly recommend I think most of us who are on staff recommend it and people who have attended it recommend it it's completely different than the big events um, big events have their thing um, I would go back to Windy City this hotel is amazing the staff is amazing see some of the same people year after year on staff I mean I hug the bellman right <laughs> um, and the girl that works at Starbucks but um, having all the rooms in one space makes it really comfortable instead of walking from one end to the other. Um, so some of it is just looking at what, what you want in an event. Um, does it have local eateries? Does the event director let you know what those le local eateries are? Um, and some of this experience I get from attending all these country events that I've been to and all the West Coast swing events that I've been to, they're very different as well in terms of what they offer. Um, you're always going to have instructors, you're always going to have a dance floor, you're always going to have a DJ. So then what else makes that event special for you and something you want to attend? Mm -hmm. And I have to get a reminder of the other half question. Uh, yes. Uh, what dance would you recommend everyone go out uh, and learn right now? It can be old, it can be new, it can <coughs> be yours, it can be someone else's. Hmm. That is a tough question because I'm a lover of a ton of dances and there are so many classics that we could just continue to make sure everybody knows. Uh, it would depend on the dancer and if they're brand new or if they've been around. Um, you know, obviously I think all my stuff is great. <laughs> uh, I think the music's fun. You'll probably dance it at every event. Um, but I am going to say that if you're going to be in this community for a long time, it's probably best to know Have Fun Go Mad. I learned Have Fun Go Mad in 1999 at the Nashville Convention Center because our UCWDC World Championships before they moved to Opryland and then other venues, downtown Nashville Center in 1999. And I learned it in a lobby from Louis St. George because I saw people doing it, uh, probably some people from Europe, 
but I saw people doing it and I was like, what is that? I have to know it. And other than a line dance showdown where I was getting over bronchitis and so I had to like leave the floor because I couldn't breathe, I have never not danced it if I have been in the room when it's been played. And because it's been able to be played to different tracks, um, I find different things to do. Um, I can get bored a little bit easily with dances, so I always want to have music that inspires me to try different things. Um, and I also do it at the West Coast Swing events that I go to. So, um, you know, it's 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 a really big one. It's a challenging dance, and look at the hundreds of thousands of people who have learned it and figured it out so they could enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to the whole: if you want to learn it, just go for it. Don't let don't let your local class, your local instructors, don't let the people near you on a floor um, give you any sense that you can't dance a dance that you want to dance or learn a dance that you want to dance. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking well, the time. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Happy dancing, everybody. Go ahead and dance what you feel. Sounds good to us.